You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. An ugly one for Philly against Memphis ended up being a 35-point blowout. Of course, that happens when you're missing your best player and another starter. We'll jump into that. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. One of the people that writes for Liberty Ballers joins me frequently on the pod, Jackson Frank. Jackson, once you heard that Seth Curry was sitting this one out, he's dealing with some shoulder issues. Joel Embiid, they said he's dealing with some rib issues. Did you expect the Sixers to be able to keep it close or you maybe even get a win or was it just kind of like once you saw that you're like eh, this is probably not going to be a, a victory here in Memphis I thought they could keep it close I mean obviously you know the, the Grizzlies are without John Morant uh you know they're their best player uh, but they've been playing they came in winter seven of eight would having won seven of eight um so I figured it would be a tough one even if Seth and Joel were in the, line, Joel were in the lineup but um the Sixers have played some pretty good basketball at times this year without Joel so I thought they could keep it close and they did for, you know, maybe 20 minutes of that game. And then they kind of let go of the rope, but I didn't expect, I mean, you never expect a team to lose by 35, even if a couple of guys are injured, but um, I knew they were, you know, working from working uphill once, once those guys ruled out, but 35 points and it was 30 for most of the fourth quarter. I didn't, I didn't expect it to that magnitude. Where do you think it went wrong from? Because honestly, even watching the first half, they were kind of hanging around. I mean, Memphis did have control of the game, put up 68 points. I think not having Joel kind of anchoring the defense obviously resulted in, in Memphis being able to get whatever it wanted in terms of getting to the rim. Uh, they went to the free throw line a ton. I had uh, 15 free throw attempts, uh, eight turnovers for the Sixers. But do you think that anything like particularly stood out to you as that game went on? And especially in that second quarter where, where do you think things maybe went off the rails for the Sixers in this one? I think what stands out to me and it's kind of been a theme as of late is I expect Tobias Harris to get more touches. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, like I, I think that Tyrus Maxey is, is the better option to run an offense through than Tobias, but only 12 shots. He only played 25 minutes. So I get it, but that's kind of been a theme. I think he only had nine or 10 shots against the Warriors as well. Um, I don't know what he had in previous games. It feels like his usage has been lowered a little bit. And I don't think it's a terrible thing for the offense. I think Tobias being a little more selective when he gets to his spots and when he gets, he takes those shots is not terrible, but um, I thought he would be featured more prominently, but I get it. Like I get, I mean, because Joel was a late scratch. I think, I think they announced, like, I think Keith Pompey tweeted that Joe, uh, Seth was out, you know, maybe a couple hours before. And then yeah. they introduced the starting lineups and, and Kate Scott and Alad and Abby were like, we have a late, we have a late scratch. And they showed up, they showed the starting labs and, and there was Andre Drummond in the starting five. So, um, like, obviously you're always going to miss Joel, but I think when it's that kind of immediate news, it, it can even kind of rattle you because Joel is your anchor on both ends. And, and so I get it, but it was just, I thought Tobias would be a little more involved, but I guess given kind of how things had gone recently for, for him in terms of, you know, the shots he's getting and the usage he has, it's not that surprising, but I thought without Joel, he'd be more involved, but, um, 
I don't think it, that was really a huge issue. They just like, a lot of turnovers too. They didn't even shoot terribly from the field. I think at least through the first, you know, two and a half quarters. But yeah, they were um, shooting 50, 53, uh, over fifty three percent in the first half. So it wasn't like offensively they were struggling. I, I I just think defensively they just didn't have a whole lot to of resistance against against the Grizzlies as well. Yeah, I mean, you just you just kind of that's a game where you see how much Joel covers for you. Um, obviously Matisse was great against Steph on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me. And they, they were good in help rotations and whatnot, but Joel covered for a lot, his ability to play off of Kevon Looney so much. Um, and you know, whether, or Draymond when they went small, um, really kind of helped close on those openings that the Warriors like to use and Steph likes to thrive on and obviously much different type of offense in the Grizzlies. But when you don't have that and you don't have like one guy to just, you know, kind of stick Matisse on, it makes things a lot tougher. And I think that, you know, that was, that was the issue. They just didn't have anyone at the point of attack and the the, the help was less crisp um, because the, you know, the kind of preeminent helper in Joel wasn't there. And, you know, there's a ripple effect, you know, that, that pervades through the entire team. And that was definitely the case. And then just the turnovers as well. My Sixers have had transition defense issues, both of Doc's years here. And they had seven turnovers in the first quarter and then only 15 on the game, but seven, that first quarter really made things tough on them. And, Basically, anytime Memphis got a you know got a turnover, they were making something good happen. It felt like so that was a huge thing as well. When you're looking at this from the for the bigger picture for the Sixers, I almost feel bad at this point. Like considering all the things that went wrong, and you know, watching that game on on Saturday against the Warriors, who we were 21 and four at the time, I was like, okay, you know what? That's a huge win. That's a statement win against the team at that point with the best record in the NBA. So I was watching that game like, okay, they're starting to turn things around. They, they had won four out of five, had an ugly one against Utah in between. But I was, you know, I was gaining confidence again that the team, you know, having everybody back and now having to deal with this again. And we don't know uh, how long it'll be. I'm assuming Seth Curry and Joel Embiid won't be out too, too long. But when you're looking at this from the bigger picture stuff, are you just hoping the Sixers can just be healthy and just have none, none of this stuff going on on the outside where they can start to string together some wins and climb up the standings? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, they, they just need some sort of consistency. Like I tweeted the midway through the game and that like their defensive inconsistency has been really weird. Like I know that Joel was out. We just talked about that. But even go back to those games against Charlotte right last week where, you know, Charlotte was out Lamelo without Tara Rozier, without Mason Plumlee. Uh, and they were still putting up 115, 120 against against the Sixers. And then you go, they play the Warriors at home, and the Warriors have a top five or six offense. I think conservatively, I don't know if that's you know entirely correct, but a very good offense. And the, yes, the Warriors missed some shots, but that defense was great. The rotations were awesome. They closed down every kind of ounce of space the Warriors like to use. And and so that's the biggest thing to me is just kind of finding some sort of rhythm on that. And then also just Tyrese Max and Joel Embiid need more reps together offensively. This was Tyrese Maxey's best game in about three weeks. And it's not a coincidence. Joel didn't play. It's not to say that like Joel isn't the reason for Tyrese Maxey struggles, but right now they're not very, you know, synergistic offensively. They, they, the, the offense runs in different ways or flows in different ways. One, when Tyrese is running, it was leading things and when Joel is running, leading things. So um, the more reps, those guys can get together. I think is really key. And the more reps just everyone can get playing around Joel and everything he offers defensively is key for this team. So, um, they, I mean, they had a, a decent little stretch there about eight or nine games since Joel returned, but um, they need more of them because there's been, you know, Tobias has missed games. Seth has missed games now. Uh, you know, Matisse Seidel missed games. So um, they just need to get some chemistry and some synergy. And I think that's kind of what they're missing. That was what they had last year for such long stretches is that's part of the reason they were so good. And, you know, had the number one seed is I felt, even though they had some, guys miss time they just felt really connected and that has not been the case by any means this year despite having a lot of the same guys from last year but um definitely some new faces and obviously no ben simmons you know changes things up as well 
when you're looking at Tyrese Maxey, because you, you did mention that, I saw you tweet that out during the game about, you know, figuring out how to get him some more minutes without Joel on the floor. He, you know, he was the best sixer in, in this one, 23.7 assists. Uh, when you're looking at him, why do you think they're having a bit of an issue? Is it just is it just the repetition you think at this point that, and obviously with Maxi playing a much larger role this season than he did last season and being a lot more assertive when he has the ball in his hands compared to what we've seen uh, in his rookie year. But when you're looking at what can Doc do maybe to to get that partnership working a, a little bit smoother going forward here? Yeah, so I think there's kind of three things to me that, that stand out. One, I think Tyrese Maxi should be, just become like a more confident passer. I think you've seen some reads the last couple of games. He had a, he had a play against the Warriors that I really liked where he he drove and tried to shovel it to Joel and Joel kind of bobbled it, but that's the sort of play that like he needs to make. He had a nice lob, I think, to, to Charles Bassey. He had a good pass to Tobias Harris in the first half on a cut. Um, so just he needs to get more comfortable making those pocket passes and pick and rolls and finding the roller. Joel needs to get you know more comfortable and prove his footwork as a roller. And then, you know, independent of those two playing together, like Doc needs to let Tyrese run the non-Joel Embiid minutes. A lot of times he'll defer to Seth Curry or mm-hmm. Tobias Harris. Like the, when when Joel leaves the court and Drummond comes in, the last starter to leave the kind of the until the kind of pave the way for the all bench minutes is Seth or Tobias. And it should be like I don't really like all bench minutes at all, um, but I think you know Tyrese needs to be the guy in there because you see what he can do with the guy who's more of a set screens, roll the rim, and, and finish plays. Even though you know Drummond is a guy who leaves a lot of desires to play finisher still is a better above the rim threat than, than Joel and is a better screener than him. And, you know, he's not a guy where you're going to, you're going to ask him to post up. And so I think you just, you got to get Tyrese more minutes. Like we, like we saw tonight when we saw when Embiid was out previously and when he's seen with COVID where Tyrese is the center full of the offense. And that has not really been the case. So those are the three things for me. And two of them are on the players themselves, but the third thing is on the coaching staff. You just like, you have to watch this game, right. And say, Okay, like when we when Drummond's in there and Maxi is the point guard, Maxi looks comfortable getting downhill, making things happen. When Joel's in there, he defers a little bit. They don't have great synergy together. Like we got we got to figure something out because you know Tyrese has been, I think, on a per game basis, the second or third best sixer, you know, behind behind Joel and Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that is fueled by the non Embiid games, and so they've got to figure out a way to converge the non. Joel Tyrese Maxey and the with Joel Tyrese Maxey and that will really help this team find some important rhythm and they got two more tough games coming up so like I said hopefully nothing long term I know Embiid has been dealing with that rib issue for a couple of games uh, where he didn't quite look right Um, and even on Saturday you know I remember seeing him on the bench a little bit favoring the rib so uh, taking on Miami on Wednesday Brooklyn on Thursday so it doesn't get any easier for the Sixers hopefully they get uh, Seth and, and Joel back for, for those two as we get into the weekend. Uh, Jackson, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with Ben Simmons. Uh, the athletic Sham Sharania provided an update on him. We'll touch on that after a short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, as I was mentioning before the break there, Jackson, uh, Shams put out a report this morning, and if, if you're listening to it, it was a different day, Monday morning, uh, the Sixers ramping up their efforts to spark multi-team trade scenarios to, to move Simmons now we're hearing the Knicks, the Lakers, the T-Wolves, the Trailblazers, Kings, Pacers, Cavs, among the teams that are interested in Simmons. But uh, And Sham says this himself, that he doesn't know how much traction they're having with Philly on, on making a potential move. But when you're hearing about teams like the Knicks, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, uh, maybe you don't have assets right now that, that makes sense for the Sixers to get. When, when you look at that, where do you think... Daryl Morey should be focusing on on trying to move Simmons and which players. I mean, we've heard now Joe Cronin of the Portland Trailblazers basically saying he's not going to move 
Damian Lillard. He's, he's going to try and build out a, a roster and a winner around him. Again, I don't think the Blazers have much to offer. So I think he might be a little bit, um, um, you know, in over his head with that. But that remains to see how that plays out. But when you're looking at those teams, is there a particular player or a particular style of player that you're hoping that Maury goes after? Uh, we know he wants to get an either an all-star level guy, a top 25, top 30 guy, depending on what reports you've read. But uh, even looking at them wanting to get a bunch of future assets, where, whether they can get three or four first round picks and pick swaps, and then look at trying to maybe package that for another player later on. But when you're looking at those teams, is there is there anyone in particular you're looking at that might be under the radar that you think would be a good fit with the Sixers for Simmons? Yeah, I think what comes to mind just initially beyond any certain player, I think it builds well for the Sixers that more teams are getting involved. You know, I think Adrian Wojnarowski, Adrian Wojnarowski had a report last week, you know, the Sixers may be looking mm-hmm. for a, a deal involving more than two teams. Like everyone says a multi-team deal, and I always crack up with that because obviously every trade is in, involving multiple <laughs> teams. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. So I always try to preface that it would be three teams or more. Um, but I, I don't, you know, the Knicks don't really have, like, I don't, I don't love, you know, Julius Randall's, you know, a guy that obviously is going to get a new, a new contract. He struggled this year, has some similar flaws and strengths to Tobias Harris. That doesn't make sense. Um, RJ Barrett has struggled a lot this year. And I just, I don't think he makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think he could help, but I don't think he's the guy you want to be leading you in a return, the leading guy in a return package for Ben Simmons. Um, the one that makes the most sense who wasn't you know quite of that all-star caliber, but I think if you're looking at it through the lens of what what's like this the player the Sixers can get where they don't have to attach a pick or a young player to kind of you know move off of Ben Simmons if they're not looking to upgrade, you know, like getting a player who maybe better better fit, but not as good, you know, in a vacuum. Um, and that's that's Malcolm Brogdon, but he's not available um because he signed an extension right before the season back in October. Um, so I, I don't know, and I know that I know there's been some reports. You know, they've said that the Pacers, Pacers have offered, you know, Malcolm Brogdon-centric package previously. Um, but he is the one that makes the most sense to me. You know, he's a guy who was really kind of improved his approach as a downhill scorer this year. Can obviously shoot the three pretty well. Um, better off the catch than he is as a spot-up guy. But the Pacers have needed him to shoot off dribble more the last few years. So his numbers haven't looked as good as they did in Milwaukee. Um, but I think you could see that change a little bit if he didn't have to play on the ball as much. Um, so he, he's the guy that makes the most sense. But nobody really, you know, I don't like the Lakers aren't trading anything. Um, you know, if you're, you're, you're like, I think Russell Westbrook's had a fine year. Like, I think he's been pretty good overall. But if you're looking for a guard who can't really shoot, uh, if, you, if you have a guard who can't really shoot and has playoff struggles, like trading him for Russell Westbrook doesn't make sense, right? Like, I know they're different players, but Russ has his own issues in the playoffs. That doesn't really, you know, it makes sense for the Sixers. So I, I don't, I don't think there's a really a great option right now. I really do think the Malcolm Brogdon thing makes the most sense, but he's not someone who's eligible to be traded for the next you know, five, five or six months or whatever until, you know, however, I'll, I guess seven months until the season, you know, the new, the new uh, league year begins in, in July. So I, I don't, I don't have a great, you know, I, I think if you're looking, going through the, the criteria of a top 25 player or an all-star cover player, nobody really fits that mold who's reportedly available or, you know, interested in Ben Simmons based on reports. Yeah, and we got December 15th, which is coming up on Wednesday. That's a big day where, where a lot more players can be moved, especially the ones that were designed um, during the offseason as, as free agents. So that should be able to, I think you'll just not just with the Sixers, but you'll start to see that picking up around the league where um, teams will start engaging in trade chatter. And, you know, looking around, and we, we've talked about this a little bit before too, and it's that 
you know, Daryl Morey took the right approach. I'm just going to wait to see what happens because you're having some of these squads falling further down to standings. Maybe somebody's going to make a, we've heard the Pacers now are like, look, we realize we're not going to win. Well, I don't think Devonta Sabonis or Miles Turner is going to be an ideal fit, but I'm just saying those guys, are, those teams are going to start looking at, at, at making some changes now. Um, when you're looking at, there's one team that really intrigues me. And, and we talked about this before too, the Sacramento Kings. I, I don't know if they would include De'Aaron Fox. He's still under term as well. I believe he has four years left on his deal. I really like Tyrese Halliburton's game. He's a second-year guy I think can develop even more and, and maybe be a fringe all-star for, for a few seasons as time goes on. But when you're looking at, at, at the Kings, and they're reportedly looking at, at making some changes there, would you want to take a package centered around either Fox or Halliburton, or do you think that, that Maury should even, even go, down that, go down that slope at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Halliburton definitely makes sense, and I, I like you know one. Of, I think the biggest issue offensively, given how the roster is currently structured, like if you want to build around Joel as your lead guy offensively, is that they don't have a lot of high level connective passers, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. look like Ben is pretty. He's a very good transition, but he some of that is muted in the half court. Obviously, Ben isn't playing right now, and you look beyond Joel, and your best passers are Joel's backup. George George Niang at times, um, not a lot of great passing there. And Halliburton helps rectify that to an extent. And obviously can shoot the ball from three well. If teams go under screens, he's got that funky release, but he's willing to let it fly from very well beyond the arc. So I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense, and is you know is is the starting caliber player and is going to continue to be- get better. I don't know you know to what degree he's not some you know incredible perimeter shot creator, which is what the Sixers would kind of you know hope for to alleviate some pressure offensively around Joel, but. He's a guy I think makes some sense. I like Harrison Barnes as well. Like, I think the issue is that he plays the same position as Tobias, but I think he makes more sense for the Sixers roster. He's better getting downhill, better drawing fouls, is more physical as a finisher, more decisive. Um, but you get it's pretty big diminishing returns, right? If you have two players who are best of the four, um, so I think that acquiring Harrison Barnes makes more sense if you're able to move off Tobias Harris, but. He still has two plus years on his deal, and that doesn't seem like a really feasible thing right now, unless you're going to attach a bunch of picks for a young guy. And the Sixers don't have a ton of, you know, they don't have a ton of young guys that don't factor in the rotation currently. They really help them in certain ways, so it's it's tough to to find an ideal way there. But I do like Tyrese Halliburton a lot. I just wonder can the can the Kings find enough else to entice the Sixers? But I think Halliburton brings two really key skills, which is versatile shooting and connective playmaking in the half court, which is two things the Sixers really, really could benefit from offensively. Yeah, when you're, when you're looking at this, Jackson, we'll wrap up after this. You're looking at this, and, and I was thinking this as well when, when I read Sean's report in the morning, is that would a, better, would a better way to approach this for Maury be like, okay, you know what, you might not get a top 25 guy. As you mentioned, we've heard, you know, Damian Lillard's name's been out there since June, uh, really since the Sixers lost in July and, and what's going on in Portland. But they're basically saying, hey, it's not going to happen. Um, on top of that, you know, Bradley Beal, maybe if he becomes available, he hasn't signed that extension yet with the Wizards. Uh, they're falling down the standings a little bit, uh, four and six in their last 10. So, you know, they've, they're coming back to earth uh, compared to where the hot start that they had. But uh, what do you think of like, OK, like you mentioned, like a guy like Ma- Malcolm Brogdon. Um, when you're looking at the Sixers, like maybe adding two or three significant and they're going to have to find a way to make the money work, uh, just given the amount that Ben makes. But looking at maybe getting two or three uh, good players, not maybe maybe not very great, maybe not even all star level, but 
figuring that out to round out the rotation and, and, and giving the Sixers more depth. I mean, you don't, you don't want to be in a situation where, and no disrespect to him, you started off the season hot, hasn't been the same, but you don't want to have Ferk playing as many minutes sometimes as he does. I like what Shake Milton does, has, has done overall, uh, but you might be able to get an upgrade there too. So do you think that would be maybe a, 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 another approach that Daryl should look at that maybe instead of trying to land that big gun or all-star caliber guy, we're just going to try and get two or three players to round out our rotation and will give us a ton of depth uh, as the season goes on. Yeah. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I mean, you've seen what Joel and B can do with just like a bunch of high level starters around him at times. And I think, you know, like I'm not, I'm not th- this next statement isn't to like advocate just to rush Tyrese and Mac- Maxi out of there, but his emergence gives you a guy who was really, really enticing to a team that's going to be rebuilding. Right. Like, like the longer this goes on, the longer the Ben Sim situation goes on, he becomes less intriguing to a rebuilding team because he gets older and he has fewer years on his contract. And so, like, I'm not saying like 25 or I think he's 25 now, he'll be 26 now. So I'm not saying that's like, <laughs> like you can't build around that guy, but you know, Tyrese Max in a rookie deal who is a a starting caliber player at 21 years old, you know, continue and he has more games like he had tonight, and he had more games like he's had, you know, previous last month becomes more enticing. And so I don't think it's a terrible idea to, going back to my, my general point, I don't think it's a terrible idea to go for a couple of starters. And then you can say, okay, you know, let's say we have a Malcolm Brogdon or a Harrison Barnes, and we also have Tyrese Max and we have most of our picks remaining and the guy becomes available. Let's like, let's find some three team deal where, you know, team X wants Barnes or, you know, a Brogdon or whoever it is. And we trade Max to this rebuilding team as a star and then you make it work. So I don't think it's a terrible idea at all. And I think, you know, you know, yes, ideally you want you all to kind of be your one B or your second fiddle offensively, but it doesn't seem available right now. And I think the Sixers team, you know, despite some of their struggles recently is kind of owed, you know, the chance to really give it a shot this year. And if that's not maybe the ideal team, you continue to work toward that or that ideal roster construction, you continue to work toward that because you have a great, great young player in Tyrus Maxi, most of your picks and a couple of other maybe enticing role players. And like, and like I'm not even mentioning like Seth Curry, I'm not saying they should trade him, but, He's a guy where if a team is a third team is looking to get involved and says, Hey, we'll take on Seth Curry because we can help the Sixers get Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or, you know, some other guy like that, that helps too. So um, kind of a, a bit of a ramble there, but, but the point being is I don't think that's a terrible approach and it doesn't really necessarily hamstring you financially or, you know, f- just flexibility wise to the degree that maybe the front office is operating with. I don't know if that's the case, but maybe that's, that's some of my interpretation and why they've kind of sat on things to this point. Not that I'm entirely criticizing him, but I do think they probably have a little more flexibility given Tyrese Max's emergence and having a guy like Seth Curry in the in the fold than maybe they've operated as currently. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you too. I think taking that approach that you can add some some quality starter quality level guys, you're looking at at a situation where. You know, you might, and I, I like Danny Green's game. Do I think he should be playing 30 minutes a night? Probably not. But if you're, you know, you're getting these upgrades around it, and you mentioned, you know, maybe even prioritizing some more defense too, because the Sixers not as good as they were last season, obviously missing Ben and, and, and Joel Embiid for as much as they have this season. I think that's played a factor into it too. But we're less than two months away from the trade deadline now. So hopefully once that deal is made, Jackson, we never have to talk about the Ben Simmons thing again. <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to just analyzing Ben Simmons as a basketball player again. I think that's been exhausted at this point. And I I, uh, I, just, want, I just want, I mean, I mean, however you feel about Ben, he's a fun player to watch. And I, I just want, I would like to talk about Ben from an encore perspective or just think about it from an encore perspective rather than how, 
you know, the Sixers operate, you know, dealing him or how that whole thing unfolds. But, but yes, hopefully it's going to rather than late. Somebody asked me today when they think is going to trade. I said January. I don't have no, no sources there, but I am, I am stamping my prediction there sometime in January, but that is not source. That is just speculation. And, and hopefully that's, hopefully that's true. Hopefully we only have a couple of more podcasts together, you and I, before, before we can analyze some new players on the Sixers roster. Yeah, please, please, Daryl Morey, make a move because Jackson and I are sick and tired of having to talk about this. But uh, we'll wrap things up there, Jackson. As always, a pleasure having you on. Looking forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's Jackson Frank. You can read his uh, work at libertyballers.com. And don't forget as well, subscribe to our podcast network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, you name it, we are there. And of course, we always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. That'll do it for this episode. Adil will be back with Out of Sight on Tuesday. And Mr. Paul Hudrick, back in the circle. He just had a baby boy a couple of weeks ago, so he's enjoying time with his family. He'll be back in the hot seat on Wednesday following the Sixers game against the Heat. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.